If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 9 while I'm on my way up here. I want to uh, remind you, if you did not get a prayer card, please get a prayer card and use it. Amen? Um, as you enter into your missions conference this year, uh, renewing the vision for missions you know, as Maria and I have traveled a lot since the last time we were here several months ago on a Sunday evening, I believe, or something like that, uh, we've been in a lot of churches, a lot of our supporting churches from East Coast to West Coast, and I mean from water to water. And uh, there is a trend, it seems like, over America that is a trend away from that and focusing more on what me, myself, and I want and desire and like to play with or spend my time doing. And you know that song that was sung this morning by the choir, um, People Still Need the Lord, that's an old song. I remember in Bible college how that just got a hold of my heart and broke my heart even more for the cause of missions, for, for the cause of Christ around the world. And it, Maria leaned over and she says, I haven't heard that song for so long. I wonder why. You know what? The, the people still need the Lord. They still, this world, this nation needs the gospel more now even maybe than then. Uh, the need is growing. It's not going away. But some of the truths, whether it be music or the things that we teach and the things that we preach, uh, it doesn't make any difference. God word, God's Word does not change. But our lives change. And it, ch it has a tendency because of our humanness to change away from the Lord and turn our back on the Lord. And even those of us who go to church and attend church every time the doors are open, often that can be uh, this deceptive thing. And we can find out that we think, well, because I'm going to church, I'm right with the Lord and everything's okay. I want to challenge you again. That R-E means it needs to be done again. Renew. We need to ask God for something starting today. We need to go back and grab a hold of some of the old truths and the old paths. And uh, just because it's new doesn't make it wrong. But just because it's old doesn't make it wrong or unuseful anymore. And so whether we're young or old in this room, we need to ask God to renew our vision. As we've traveled around uh, in, in Zambia as well as the States, and, and Maria loves taking her phone out and taking pictures, you know, and I use, like to use the old camera. And you have to focus that thing in. It may have an autofocus, but I tell you what, the, our lives are a manual focus. And we have to ask God to help us again to refocus and renew the things that maybe were once very vitally important when we remembered songs like, people need the Lord, people need the Lord. And you listen to a lot of the things today. It doesn't talk about that. It doesn't jerk our hearts. It doesn't grab a hold of our attention like some of God's Word does and like some of the old songs even do. Amen? Well... This morning, I want to just tell you thank you on behalf of Maria and I and the Zambian people. Thank you for being 
part of the ministry to Zambia. It is not our ministry. We stress that. It is our ministry before the Lord. It is our responsible before the Lord and His work and His gospel to, go, to still go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we've not gotten that done yet. So we've got to keep working at it. Amen? We've got to keep serving the Lord, surrendering to the Lord, and being what He wants us to be. I'm happy to report to you that God has raised up at this point 10 churches in Zambia that are going, they're flourishing, and not all of those, in fact, few of those ones that are still going were started by this missionary. Most of those were started by men that, that we trained and their wives who went out and dug out a new work out in the bush or in the cities, and they, they did it under the guidance of the Lord. And uh, so we're thankful for that because even right now while we're home and going through some, some uh, medical challenges, those people are going right on and they're doing a great, great job. So pray for them uh, much. There are some things going on in Zambia right now that are not good and I cannot divulge all those things to you time-wise for one thing, but uh, it's just wise probably not to go into a lot of detail, but things are changing, you know. As you look at even America, it seems like the desire in, a, in people's hearts, it reverts back to old ways of doing things for me. And uh, the same is happening, we're afraid of, in Zambia, where there are things going on even in the government. Uh, there are things going on even with some of the people in our churches that goes back to the old ways, the old ancient ways, and those are not good. Those things, I'm talking about uh, dealing with uh, demonic activity and things like that, and they're, they're going, they're reverting back to it, and so our preachers are, are texting us on, uh, on the phone and saying, preacher, pray for us, things are not good here, things are not good. So, they're not talking about the churches necessarily. They're talking about the country as a whole. And folks, let me tell you, when a missionary stands up and says, please take a prayer card and pray for us, we mean that. I would encourage you, not just the rouches, but you pray for every missionary you have on a daily basis. They are part of your missionary family that you work with them. You don't just, it's not about just giving them monthly support so they go. That's not what it's all about, folks. Uh, in fact, we need to make less of that and more about praying for one another. I can tell you, uh, a year ago this month, a little later in the month, uh, I was preparing for that graduation as Maria was, and I was, uh, I think I told you about that before, doing a little electrical work, and, and uh, that day I thought I was going home to be with Jesus because I had got a hold of electric wires, and they, wouldn't, they got a hold of me and wouldn't let go, and and in a matter of a few moments, I saw my whole life pass before me. And I just really believed there for a few moments I was going to go be with the Lord that day. And God miraculously allowed something to happen to disconnect that, that uh, uh, electrical current or I wouldn't be here today. And I thank God for his protection. That's why Maria talks about those angels of protection around us. But I can tell you, God, God is faithful to do that, but he needs and he expects you 
and us to pray for one another. When those things happen, the monthly support seems to be not the top of the, on the top of the list for importance. It's your prayers for us. And I could name you situation after situation uh, that has happened in my life and in Maria's life that would tell you that neither one of us, if you were talking about humanly speaking, neither one of us would be here if it were not for God's great protection over many different situations in many years. So we thank God for your uh, support, for your, for your financial support. We thank the Lord for that, of course. And we thank the Lord for your prayers, your faithful prayers. When we go to churches and people say, we've been praying for you, we pray for you in our home every day. Oh, I can't tell you how that lifts a missionary up. And we talk about, oh, I'll, brother, I'll pray for you. Be careful what you say when you tell people that. If you're going to tell them that, do it. Amen? Even if you don't tell them about it, you, you pray for them anyway. Because we depend on that sometimes for survival. Are you hearing me? Please pray for your missionaries. Uh, I didn't know that when I was a young man and I asked God to do whatever in my life was necessary to make me all that he wanted me to be. I didn't know that I would go through some of the things that God has taken me through to test me with that. When Brother Jack Baskin taught me out in San Dimas, California, and I got discouraged because the doctor said I had to leave. I had to get my son out of there. He was just a little guy, and he was dying. He had asthma, and he couldn't take that smog. I got discouraged, and I went back to where I, we'd come from. Instead of going to Springfield and finishing school, Brother Jack, I took five years off of God's call and drove a truck over the road. What a horrible thing to do when, when you're trying to run from the Lord. Because every one of those yellow dots or white dots, you say, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And in five years, I was ready to go back to Bible college. And I said, God, if you'll let me go back, I promise you, I will never quit again. God's tested me on it a few times since then. But with God's grace and God's strength, my wife and I intend to finish well. Wherever it is and whatever it is, doing whatever God wants us to do, but we have no intention on quitting until our last breath, I can tell you that. You know, in our lives, as we look at Matthew chapter 9, I want you to think about focusing on that renewed vision. I fear here in America that we have lost the vision for missions so much because we've got the vision for other things so much. Now, I'm not big on sports, and I'm not hammering those of you who are, but I can tell you, folks, there are things in our lives that have consumed us to the point that it has drawn us away, and I'm talking about God's people. It has drawn us away, and we no longer have the vision for the lost that we used to have. And so, without giving you a personal opinion type of a message, let's look into the Word of God to the greatest missionary that ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. 
I know you say, oh, this is a, a missionary that, or this is a message that eight missionaries out of ten preach. Well, that's all right. It's God's word. We're going to hear it again. Amen. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, Jesus has just given sight to two blind men in verse 27. Uh, he said, uh, he said that they, they would have their sight and according to their f uh, faith, be it unto you, verse 29. And then we see that there was a dumb man that was possessed with the devil and God, uh, the Lord Jesus, delivered him of that devil. And uh, if Jesus uh, would have been uh, an American, he could have got pretty prideful at this point. Hey, I, I just pulled off some pretty good tricks here, you know. I, I've... Uh, given sight to two blind men. I've uh, uh, healed one man being dumb with a possessed with the devil. He, if he was an American, he might have got pretty prideful. But you know what? In the next verse, at, look at verse, uh, now this is not the text, we're just leading up to it. All these great things Jesus had done, but Jesus never did become prideful. I know he was the Son of God, but he was also all man. He never became prideful. And then in verse 34 it says, But the Pharisees said, He casts out devils through the prince of the devils. Now if Jesus would have been an, uh, an American, He could have also at this point said, Oh my, they're talking bad about me. They're talking bad about me again. You know what I've learned? More than ever, any time I've ever known it before, if we as Americans don't have drama, we're not happy. I'm serious, folks, and shame on us for that. Serious. Because drama and all these kind of things, you, you think, well, Jesus would never become prideful. Uh, Jesus would never feel sorry for himself. And that's true, he didn't. But I want you to notice that there's a period right at the end of that verse, and there's no explanation of those things. I want you to notice what happens, and this is where our text begins. It says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, verse 35, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Sometimes we run through Scripture and we don't even think about what we're reading. Verse 80 says, pray. Pray you, therefore, or because of this, that the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to You in prayer this morning, we quietly humble ourselves before you. And even though the time on the clock is short, Lord, we're not going to hurry in and out of your word. Father, we thank you for your word that you preserved down through the ages for us. Father, we thank you for the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he walked upon this earth among men and left such a great example of where our focus needs to be. Father, help us to focus. Lord, in our minds and our hearts, 
perhaps even take us back to a time when we were brokenhearted because people in this world are lost without Jesus Christ. And Lord, perhaps we've become a little calloused or a little hard-shelled, a little uh, cold to the needs around the world. Father, I thank you for Hillside, this family that has stuck with us through thick and thin throughout many years. And they, Lord, to, to their credit, Lord, bless them for the souls and for the churches in Zambia. And for the souls and the churches established around this world because they have taken missions serious. Bless them, Lord. And however, Lord, today, I pray that you'll help us to refocus. Once again, Lord, do in our lives what needs to be done for your purpose, that you, your name will be honored and glorified in all that we do in reaching out into this world. And Lord, sometimes that causes us to take a step back look and think about how we see things and compare it with the way that our Savior saw things. Lord, do a work in our lives today. We ask, Lord, for the souls to be saved if they're lost here. And Lord, we ask you to call forth laborers into the harvest. Lord, the harvest, your harvest is still out there. Your Holy Spirit still calls men and women. Let it happen even here today, Lord. We're doing exactly what you've asked, and that's what, that's what our prayer is. Lord, ignite a fire under us again in the name of Jesus for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I... I don't know whose water this is up here. I don't care, but I'm going to take a drink of it. <laughs> I don't know who invented ties, but they should have been hung with them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this today is not just another Sunday service, and I hope this is not just, just another uh, missions conference. 2019 Missions Conference. It is another one, but it's not just another one. It is the one here and now. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And if we're going to rejoice the way He wants us to rejoice, we will ask Him to do something in our lives that we need to have done, mine as well as yours. It's not your neighbor, it's you, it's me. And we need to ask God to do something in our lives. I hope and pray this is not just that you're not here just this morning because it's Sunday morning and if you don't come, somebody's going to say, where are they? But you're here because of your love and your commitment and your surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ because it's the right thing to do. It's the right place to be. And I hope and pray that this missions conference will be the greatest that you've ever had not just because of the missionaries you have in or, or maybe great messages or testimonies that you hear, but when you contrast the need today with our lives today, it's going to take more today than it did 10 years ago 
for us to do that because we live in a different world. The world changes, but praise God, His Word does not change. No matter what people or what time, you know, my wife and I have talked, if it were not this, for the stability and the truth of God's Word, where would we be? Where would we turn these days? But it is the same. And it's going to stay the same. No matter how we treat it or what we do with it, it's going to remain the same. You notice Jesus did not reflect. There's nothing here that reflects on Jesus' thoughts about what they said to him, what the Pharisees said to him. There's always going to be Pharisees around. Jesus never had a moment of, of pride. There's a period there at verse 34, and it goes directly and says, And Jesus went. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. Well, we as Americans know about going, don't we? We like to go. We like to do. We like to set a, a goals. We like to accomplish. We like to cross things off our list that we got done today. I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm not saying that's wrong. But Jesus himself, the Son of God, our Savior, the one who bled on the cross and gave his life for us, Jesus went about all the cities, not some of them, all the cities and all the villages. There's a message right there. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And what did he do? He had this great driving passion. It says he went and taught in the synagogues and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And a lot of the things that are being said from pulpits today are not about the gospel of the kingdom. A lot of things are, are uh, you know, personal opinions and all those things. Let's hang those away. Let's get back to the word of God. Whether we're here or in, the, in Zambia or Romania or wherever we are, let's get back to teaching in the, in the churches, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Because in a hundred years from now, that's what's going to count. To you and to me, to others that need to be reached with the gospel. The preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That was his passion. And we understand passion, don't we? Come on, talk to me. We, we love passion. We, we, if you're, how many of you love football? That's a dumb question, isn't it? Come on, some of you are just keeping your hands down. Now, come on. I heard a preacher preaching here the other day when my wife is not sick, feeling good and she's sick in bed, she listens to preaching all day long uh, on YouTube. And so I listen to preaching all day long too in the other room because I can hear it. And this, this guy was uh, talking about these things that, he, that this, this guy in this church just was sitting there just so solemn when he preached and everything and said, never made a... Amen, no, nothing going on. He said, then this same guy invited him to go to a football game with him. And he said, he said, he asked him, uh, he said, why don't you ever say amen or anything? He said, that's just not my personality, preacher. But he said, buddy, let me tell you, when we got to that football game, a miracle happened. And his personality changed. And he was yelling and screaming and jumping up and down all over those bleachers. 
serious. How is it that we get so excited about the things of the world? And the last time I saw somebody get that excited about this, I don't even remember. God help us to have the passion for the people, for the kingdom of God, for the preaching of the truth that we need to have, that Jesus had. That's his passion. Now look at verse 36. It says, but, means however. Even though he had a driving passion that he was willing literally to die for, and you should have a passion for missions that you're willing to die for. But even so, the next verse says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. So now we see the compassion on the Lord, of the Lord Jesus. He was preaching, he was going and teaching, and that's a passion. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But when he stopped preaching for a moment, and he stopped teaching for a moment, and he looked out over this, the crowds, the multitudes, like I've stood on the hill above the city of Andola, 800,000 people, and I look up, and I look out over the city, and I've asked God many times, what can we do to reach these multitudes? Jesus did that this day. He was moved. That word moved means it was not just an emotional five-minute fancy. He was moved. He was torn apart in his heart. His heart was broken for these people. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Look at it. It tells us why. Because, because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Sheep have to have a shepherd. As you look at the world, as you look at different countries, as you look at the political scene in our own country right now, you can see, you look at the television, and you can see that the world is scattered abroad as sheep, and there's not a shepherd around. It seems that they are, and the reason is because, it says, when he saw the multitudes, if you're going to see something, you got to look. You got to focus. We're trying to see, we're trying to do, we even try to come to church and do the Lord's work, but we're not focused, and this is where we've lost it right here. There's not enough time spent in this. If we were to take a, a vote today, and I've got to hurry here, how many of you spend an hour a day in God's Word? How many of you spend two hours or 30 minutes or five minutes? There's no question, and I'm not pointing a finger to you, I'm talking about God's children as a whole. Is there any question why we are so challenged in life with drama and problems? It's because we don't know how to rest in the Lord. We don't, we don't do what God wants us to do anymore. We do what we want to do. We spend our time doing what I 
me, myself, and I want to do. That's never going to cut it. It never has and it never will. But when he saw the multitudes, he saw them because he stopped preaching and he stopped teaching long enough to look at them in the eyes. And he saw them. The reason we don't hear is because we're not listening. And the book of Proverbs talks a lot to us about my son, my son, my son. And if we're not listening, we're not going to hear. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They didn't only faint, but they were scattered. Man, you look at the world today. The world is scattered. It is scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. And you know what? It's more plenteous today than it was then. But do we care? You see, just giving to missions, just your financial giving to missions, and I praise the Lord for faithful people who tithe first of all and then give to missions. But that is not your responsibility in missions. That's just part of it. It's your responsibility to go to Zambia and preach the gospel of the kingdom to the Zambian people. How many of you are ready to go back with us? I don't see any hands, honey. I'm sorry. Uh, got Brother Jack and his wife. They're ready to go. And I'm sure they will. Right now, as far as we know, I, I could be wrong, but of all the independent Baptist colleges that I know of, there's not one person, single or married, who are right now preparing to go to Zambia. Now, I know that Brother Jack Baskin and I are young dudes, but we're not going to live forever. Anybody here that would like to volunteer to come and take our place? We need to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Because if we don't pray, maybe God won't send. I remember as a boy growing up on a Kansas farm, my dad was a wheat farmer, and he grew beautiful fields of wheat, hundreds and hundreds of acres of it. And I've seen somebody throw out a match, and the whole thing catch fire like gas and burn off in a few minutes. The whole year lost. I've seen hail come and hail us out. In a matter of a few minutes, it's all gone. There's no, no reaping of the harvest. But the worst thing that can happen to a harvest is not the hail or the fire. The worst thing that could happen would be if my dad would have said, well, we got a bumper crop this year. Great, Dad, it's ready to harvest. Let's go after it. He said, no, let's go fishing. No, let's go to the football game. No, I'm playing on my tablet. No, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. The worst thing that can happen to a harvest is for there to be no harvestors. Folks, we can talk about all this that we want, 
But God wants us to pray. And I'm asking you, not the person sitting beside you, but I'm asking you this morning to ask God right now to break your heart again for the lost souls in this world. Because we can play church and we can play missions, but until we ask God for a broken heart to see that souls are still dying every day going into hell, nothing's, not really, nothing's gonna really change. It'll be like a band, putting a Band-Aid over something that, a missions conference Band-Aid over us. Let's not do that. Let's draw it back and say, God, oh Lord, search my heart, oh God, as David said, and see if there be any wicked way in it. Take it a step further and say, search my heart, oh God, and break it again, because people are still needing the Lord. People are still dying every day without the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't have a broken heart, the day's coming, and I, as I've seen the trend across America, missions is changing, is it not, Brother Baskin? The face of foreign missions is changing quickly and drastically. And if we don't do something to get serious about souls ourselves at home and abroad, give you 10 years, and you won't be sending missionaries abroad anymore. I'm not a prophet, but I'm seeing the trend. And it breaks my heart because there's going to be millions of people if that happens. If America doesn't put a stop to what the direction we're going, we keep leaning on our own understanding. But Proverbs says, lean not to your own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him, His glory, and He will direct our paths. As my wife said, she has, maybe more than me, Great hope for the youth. It's hard for an older guy to see that sometimes. But let me tell you, if we can't put uh, the youth in the Word of God, if we don't get them in the Word of God, youth, if you don't spend your time in the Word of God and stand up and say, I want to be the next uh, missionary to go. God, I'll use you. And God, if you don't use me for foreign missions, then go to America. Ask God to break your heart again because if you don't, Satan's going to have the upper hand and missions will change and missions could even die out as we know it today unless God's people say, God, break my heart again for souls.